Ian Trottier for Discussions of Truth. This is the 5 o'clock hour. Coming your way shortly, Zach Voorhees, former Google software engineer, whistleblower, and patent holder, turned over a 950-page cash to the Department of Justice August 2019. Okay, that was just around the corner behind us. Quote, the reason why I collected these documents was because I was something dark and nefarious going on with the company Google. I felt that our entire election system was going to be compromised forever by this company that told the American public that it was not going to do any evil. They were intending to sculpt the information landscape so that they could create their own version of what was objectively true. Voorhees worked on Google Earth from 2008-2013. He'll be on the program in about six minutes. Next week, we'll be re-hosting very fortunately, Dr. Bandy X. Lee. She's the author of the New York Times bestselling book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. Again, she's rejoining the program. She's a leading violence expert and forensic psychiatrist and the president of the World Mental Health Co- Coalition, quote from the Business Insider. We are speaking out at this time because we are convinced that as the time of possible impeachment approaches, Donald Trump has the real potential to become even more dangerous. A threat to the safety of our nation. How safe is your nation right now? Uh, Wednesday, April 1st, with the coronavirus pandemic. And then at the second hour, that's the 615 mark, Cold War Three: How the U.S. Navy can defeat Putin and halt climate change. W. Craig Reed. Okay, that's a lot going on right there, just in that title. But he spent 10 years researching Putin, including his early life and KGB exploits. Look, okay, I don't get political on this program. I think both parties, major parties in the United States, are completely corrupt and bought out. Uh, What I base all of my view on is the Zika, uh, which I think is characterized as an epidemic. That was Miami Beach uh, in 2016. From there... I go to the Rockefellers holding interest in not only the uh, Zika virus, a patent thereon, uh, but also on the pesticide that was used, basically forced on the population there, called Dibrom, otherwise known as Nailid, both trade names for it, which uh, the Rockefellers own the patent, and they also were the largest shareholders of Chevron Chemical Corporation uh, that that engineered the the pesticide for it in the 1950s. Uh, Zika went back to the 1940s out of a rhesus monkey in Uganda, okay? So from the Rockefellers controlling both angles of it, I went to Stanford Hoover fellow Anthony Sutton and uh, what was basically described as a Hegelian dialectic, where he went into talking about the United States and the banking system that that supports the U.S. 
uh, also funding the Soviet Union. So where, where this and the buildup of the Soviet Union leading up to the Cold War, but where this resonates is you take Prescott Bush, who uh, uh, funded Nazi Germany, this is fact, uh, 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 and also um, funded the Western Alliance. So that's something that you apply controlling both, uh, uh, both sides of a conflict, uh, so controlling the opposites, and then you dominate. Regardless of the winner, you dominate the nature of the outcome, a Hegelian dialectic. Okay, um, so that's where I base uh, mostly all of my uh, my view from. That's why I don't take sides politically. Uh, you, we, we'd probably have a complete mess regardless of who got into the uh, to the White House, um, and regardless of your view and angle on Trump, um, it is what it is. It's up to you to correct it and fix it. Okay. Um, and later this month, we are very fortunate to be hosting uh, Avi Jorish. He's a, he's a seasoned entrepreneur and Middle East expert, senior fellow at the American Foreign Policy Council and founder of IMS, a merchant processing company and services clients nationwide. Uh, his book, a recent book, Thou Shalt Innovate, very important. Okay, the opportunity to think freely. Think freely enough that you create and develop and innovate and bring new uh, new technologies, new companies, new um, creations of whatever it may be uh, to a society. From little things as songs and artwork to, to yes, uh, companies that are built off of um, the internet um, and computer technologies. All of these things are very important for the advancement, if you will, of any civilization as far as I'm concerned. Um, and we will also be hosting uh, on April 15th Miami-based Gerald Leo Posner. He's an investigative journalist, author, and former Wall Street attorney. His 800-page book, Pharma, completely obliterates and destroys the pharmaceutical and the corruption in the pharmaceutical industry. Greed, lies, and the poisoning of America. So this will be fascinating. He's a regular contributor to NBC, History Channel, CNN, Fox News, CBS, and MSNBC. He is a member of the New York and Washington, D.C. bars as well as the International Criminal Court. So a lot coming up here this month. Um, that's not even getting into next month. Uh, we've got some great stuff lined up for you today. We will be hosting in just a few moments. Zachary Voorhees. Uh, let me take a moment to now mention uh, my book that is scheduled to be released the 23rd of this month by Trine Day Publishing, Freedom Reserved, No More Lies. Okay, It's a quick read. I think it's a 352-page book. Um, it goes into exactly why... Uh, this program has come to light. And again, uh, if you've listened to me, kind of know what I talk about. Mark Shaw, who's been a guest on the program twice, um, his book, uh, The Reporter to Who Knew His Series, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much, Dorothy Kilgallen, has now reached, as long over a year now, reached an agreement to turn into a motion picture and or a Netflix documentary that I don't know what the latest is on there, but it has it is in contract. And I sat down, very fortunately, with Mark, um, uh, face to face, and uh, he is the reason that uh, Freedom Reserve No More Lies uh, is coming to light. Um, let me also mention Daniel Estelin, uh, who has sold millions of copies of his books uh, worldwide. He happens to be banned in the United States, 
Um, and, uh, and, 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 but yet he is published by, uh, Trine Day in, here in the U S. Um, he's, he sold millions of copies of his books in Argentina, Spain. Uh, he's a Russian, uh, born, uh, researcher and author, a former espionage, uh, I believe, uh, agent. And that's always a question. Uh, but he's, but he's currently based in Spain. He is also former guest on the program. And, uh, another big reason, uh, the book it, it will be coming your way. Uh, you can pre-order that on Barnes and Noble and at Amazon. If you're out of the United States, you can get it at Chapters up in Canada, and uh, it's it's uh, it just Google it, Google my name. You'll find it in Australia, uh, 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 Denmark, and uh, uh, England. Uh, just to mention a few, uh, they're available. It's available on other platforms as well. Okay, so uh, uh, and 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 lastly, uh, buy buy a StopMassMedia.com T-shirt again. StopMassMedia, it's great. It's a, a wonderful, high quality cotton shirt. You'll enjoy wearing it. Uh, very comfortable. Uh, no more lies. Stopmassmedia.com. No more lies. You can find that at Stop Mass Media. Uh, okay, so going in uh, to Zach Voorhees now, bringing him on. Thanks for listening. This is Discussions of Truth. I'm your host, Ian Hamilton Trotier. Zach. Yeah, how you doing, buddy? Welcome to Discussions of Truth. I am well, thank you. And you, how are you, sir? I'm excellent. Uh, Zach Voorhees joining the program. We're very grateful. Uh, I have mentioned uh, over and over today, uh, Zach brings a very special message to the program in that uh, he is a former Google engineer, Many years at Google, and he blew the whistle by sending a 950-page uh, data transcript to the Department of Justice, uh, blowing the lid on Google. Zach, tell listeners a little bit about uh, that punch that you delivered to that company and why you delivered it. Um, so that punch was kind of a dossier of 950 pages detailing Google's censorship regime which is called machine learning fairness. And it was an AI that they were applying that was altering the search results, altering the search results for Google search and for YouTube and for Google news. And they were denying that this was going on, but um, I could see as a full-time engineer on the inside that it was. And so as someone with access to those documents and it wasn't really covered up anyone that was a full-time engineer had access to these things and so i went ahead and i copied them to uh, my own flash drive uh, and then delivered them to the media and then eventually delivered them to the doj Wow. Uh, uh, Zach, uh, this is heavy were uh, were you working where were you working mountain view where were you out of uh, for the last three years, I was working out of the San Bruno office, working for Google's YouTube division. Wow. Okay. Um, and you've also uh, you've also worked for Google um, for for Google Earth. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. So you spent how many years with Google? Total of eight years. That's a lot. And um, how? At what point in that career with them 
of course, Google is a is a beast. I mean, they're massive. You're looking at uh, yeah. yeah I mean, th that's a huge company to take on. Well, I didn't really expect to take them on in the way that I did. It just sort of grew into that. Um, and, you know, they were really good to me. Um, you know, they gave me massages on my birthday and they gave me free food <laughs> and I really enjoyed everything. And everything was really great with the company yeah. all the way up until 2016 when Trump won the election in Interesting. 2020. And then all of a sudden, a week later, they're doing a complete 180. Interesting. Talk about that a little bit more. Where was this coming from that you were seeing the 180? What was happening that caught your attention? It was coming directly from the C-level executives, the CFO, the CEO. Um, and it happened a week after the election. Uh, there was a weekly meeting that they always do called TGIF. And at this TGIF meeting, directly uh, preceding the election, they kind of talked to all the employees about what Trump meant for the company and what Trump meant for the election. During this meeting, they said very inappropriate things like, you know, there was Sergey Brin saying he was personally offended by the election of Donald Trump. Um, and uh, the CFO said that uh, she was re recounting how the election night was going and she was detailing about how she got a text from one of their coworkers saying, I think we're going to lose this one. And she started crying on stage. And I went, what do you mean we're going to lose this one? Yeah, like, we Google's not up for election. It's, 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 you well know, said. the people's choice. It's up for election. And I'm going, what's going on. But the thing that clued me in that they were applying censorship was something that the CEO Sundar Pichai said, which was one of the, successful things that Google had done during the election was the suppression of fake news using machine learning. And I went, wait a minute, we're censoring news. Um, like I knew that they were biased on Google news, but I didn't think that they were actually sensing censoring information on Google search itself. But, um, here it was, they were, they were admitting to it. So that's when I saw things really turn 180. Wow. Um, <laughs> So okay, so so Google Google in the early days, I don't know if they still are. Do they even need funding? But some of the early venture capital was Sequoia, right? Um, where could some of the, are, it sounds to me? Go ahead. And Incutel. And in Incutel. Okay, so this is okay. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with William uh, 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 Blunden. Uh, he's a, a lecturer up at San Francisco State. We had him. Uh, we had him on the program two weeks ago, and he spoke a, 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 a somewhat extensively to some degree about InQtel. In your words, Zach, listeners of, of my program had a, have a basic idea of InQtel. Uh, certainly, they have a Palo Alto office, uh, but their their main reach is, is in is in is in Virginia, I believe. W what is InQtel, and how how could they have manipulated if if they could have manipulated uh, the going on in, in Google and the search queries? Uh, and that's a real broad statement and suggested statement that I made yeah. right there. But what are your comments in regards to that? Let me summarize it. Yeah, let me let me summarize. What InQtel is. InQtel is the venture capital uh, arm of the spy networks like the CIA and also the NSA. And they're kind of like uh, supported by the taxpayer and they're used to, you know, inject money into these uh, operations that are based on intelligence. So Google is an intelligence company. It crawls the internet 
surveilling it and then takes that information and produces useful products. And as it grows, it gets more and more intelligence on the entire worldwide Internet. So it's a global surveillance tool. Okay. And yeah. uh, as a result, this is within the purview of Incutel's funding, and they were one of the first investors into the into the corporation. So this is really important. And when and Zach, when you talk about the internet, I think the a common perception because of Google's size is that Google is the internet. But no, Google's not the internet. What you're talking about, I think, and you can correct me, is that the World Wide Web uh, is. And that's not even the internet, but but that's basically uh, what we use and know uh, as the internet. Is that right? Yeah, World Wide Web operates on what we call Port eighty, and uh, it's all the websites that get served up. So Google traverses all those websites and then organizes that information and then makes it into a thing that you can enter into a search term and then get back a list of sites that are relevant to the search query that you put in. Okay, so this is this is huge. Where Zach, where is Port eighty located? Does it have a physical location? Uh, no, no. Port eighty is just how you can. There's like certain things you use to connect to different types of services. So everything that you see with a website is called Port eighty. Uh, people used to use file transfer protocol called FTP a lot. That was like on Port twenty one, and then like. Uh, if you want to like telnet into a computer and start issuing commands, that's usually on port 22, I believe. So uh, the World Wide Web that we know about it is pretty much used on port 80 to access a website. So all that stuff, all that World Wide Web content is organized by Google and then served to you. Okay, and and these are obviously running off of phone lines. Uh, does any of this go back to any uh, central uh, uh, computing system located anywhere, Zach? I mean, like DARPA is kind of, you know, involved in the story um, with the creation of Google, but um, because a lot of the people that founded DARPA and ARPANET, which was the prelude to the internet, were involved in the creation of Google. I'm not entirely sure in all the specifics of that story, you know, or, or what role that they played, but, yeah. you know, it's kind of like everything came out of Silicon Valley, like Apple computer, right. Google, Facebook. Like it's 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 not that large of an area. It all came out of there, and it's all the same players behind all these different companies. Right, and then you have Lockheed Martin, which has a, a huge facility down there. So there's there's kind of a fine line, if you will, between uh, the defense industry uh, and then uh, and then and then and then public kind of corporate uh, domain. Yeah, that's right. Uh -huh. um, okay, so so Zach, let's let's get into you know here you've got these C level uh, executives at Google, and they are it sounds like um, opposed to uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 opposing party in the election would would have been uh, Donald Trump, and so um, they were uh, for uh, Clinton. I would, I'm assuming, um, and, and 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 so then they're making a a, a bias on the political platform, um, and you're saying that in this uh, DOJ uh, manuscript that you, uh, that, you, that you submitted, uh, you're saying that, this was, that, that the search queries were purposely altered to, uh, to side with, uh, with the C-level executive political 
uh, 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 political uh, 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 choice. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the thing is, is that WikiLeaks released some emails showing how there was a lot of communication between Eric Schmidt and some of the, you know, C-level executives at Google working with Clinton in order to make sure that she was, um, you know, good in the searches. Uh, they also did this in Brazil, and the Supreme Court came out with a case ruling against Google, saying that they had colluded with the opponent of now President uh, Bolsonaro. And, right. uh, and so they, they've, they've been involved in sort of election meddling for uh, some years now, and it's, it's coming out. And what really sort of proved all of this was when Project Veritas – got undercover video in a sting operation of Jen Janai, who was an AI executive with Google, stating, you know, without realizing that the camera was rolling, that, um, and, and, and I'm going to give it justice by saying the whole context. So it was in response to Elizabeth Warren. And Jen Janai said that she loves Elizabeth Warren, but that her idea to break up Google is wrong because of separate companies. Those separate companies uh, could not together uh, – Stop the next Trump situation in 2020, but Google was big enough to do that. This That's is incredible. Exact quote. <laughs> this is this is this mind blowing. Um, and of course, so so the whole uh, the whole argument that the, that Russia has uh, somehow uh, manipulated the election. How does that thread into your knowledge of? Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, that's a complex story. Here's the thing is that the people that produced the information, the dossier, I think it was like a, it's called the piss dot dossier where it's a bunch of false information about president Trump peeing on some bed on a prostitute or something that, that came out there. It's called the piss dossier. You can look it up that and something else both came from, I believe CrowdStrike and CrowdStrike was invested on by Google in the early days. And so um, they're, they're the ones that produced uh, this information about um, Donald Trump being a Russian agent. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's how Google is involved in that whole thing. Very interesting. Zach, when you first caught wind of this, did you go to your superiors and say, hey, this isn't just? Why is this happening? Yeah, I did. Um, so I had a manager, and I was... You know, we have a weekly discussion uh, between him and myself, and we just keep on talking, uh, you know, every week. And I told him that this was really antithetical to the corporate mission statement of Google, which was to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful, and uh, and that all the censorship was wrong. Like it was morally wrong. It was going against the um, promises that we had made to our stockholders. Um, and it was uh, breaking the promise that Google had made to the people that invested in the company and yeah. uh, and the users themselves, because we all consented to allow Google to get as big as right. it was yeah. because we thought that it was this wonderful company. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Um, and how was that received? Did 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 your uh, just to use the term? They laughed. They laughed at it. They all laughed what? at it. They thought, and then I started to get demonized by by it, and I felt really hesitant to even talk about it i kind of just held all of this really close to my chest and never got involved with any political discussion which was common at the company uh and i ended up stopped i stopped hanging out with my coworkers just because i started to realize that as i started to wake up 
and realized that there was a large scale manipulation of the of the public that wow. um that that I could not bring myself to any sort of conversation where I would reveal this because I at that point had collected so many documents that I was worried for my safety. Um, you know, if I started, you know, speaking up too much, I was worried that yeah. I would get investigated and then they would see all the documents that I had looked at and then boom, it's over. Right. And so, so, so that's a good question. Um, the 950 pages that you submitted to the DOJ, uh, was that done illegally? Can Google come at you, uh, from a legal standpoint? No, they can't. Well, I mean, they, they can go after someone for anything if they want frivolously, okay. but I don't think that they had a case because it specifically says in my NDA that the NDA does not cover criminal and illegal wow. activity. And um, Google, I caught Google doing sedition. I caught them deleting words out of the Arabic translation dictionary to make a president sound crazy, which then gave justification for invoking of the 25th Amendment to remove a president due to mental incapacitation. Why was he incapacitated? Because he was making tweets that didn't make sense. Why did they not make sense? Because Google was deleting words out of the dictionary in order to make those tweets sound crazy. So it's like, this is sedition. They're trying to do an overthrow of the president of the United States. They're manipulating the public on a mass scale. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. We walk around each day committing seven felonies without even knowing it. And for me to believe that Google wasn't committing some crime in what they were doing against the president, what you know, would, would be mind-boggling. So I knew just on a on a spiritual sense that there was something that they were doing that was illegal. And so um, I went ahead and um, and and broke the NDA and gave the information to the public and gave the information to the media. And uh, as a result, I have not had any legal problems wow. um, after disclosing this information. So and I'll go to trial on this, uh, you know, if they ever drag me into it. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. And so what's been the response? Uh, has, has, has the White House responded to this? Uh, has it, the, what's been the response from the DOJ? Uh, the DOJ has launched an investigation uh, in parallel to their investigation, the city of New York another city that I can't recall right now, and 51 state attorney generals are now pursuing that. Now, you may ask yourself, well, wait, we only have 50 states. How can 51 state attorney generals? Uh, that we, we have like 50 states plus a couple territories. So right. I think it's every single state attorney generals minus the one from California that is doing this antitrust probe into Google. So that's what's happened since I've released this information. And that's, that's an important word for listeners in antitrust probe because that's exactly what it is. It's a manipulation uh, of uh, really of the – well, the users, I suppose, I don't, without knowing the, the, the definition and the, the, the makeup of the antitrust in a general term. Uh, it certainly sounds like uh, a monopoly on, uh, on at least that, that angle of uh, search query. What, is, what are uh, listeners uh, – when they're entering information into Google – um, you know, what are they, uh, what are they subjugating themselves to, um, on a very plain, uh, sense, what, what's happening with the information that, uh, users are entering into Google? Well, I mean, first off, it's being captured, um, and put to a shadow profile, which is then shared with their, you know, um, uh, with their investors. Um, and it 
is highly rumored that they're selling all of your search habits and all the information they can vacuum up to the global intelligence agencies around the world, particularly China. And there is a popular slogan that we use in Silicon Valley, which is, if the product is free, then you are the product. And so what they're doing is that they're taking all the information that they have, you know, where you go, when you sleep, how long you use your phone, what do you search for? They're matching that all to you. And then they're selling that on the open market. Okay, so this is this is incredibly concerning because uh, what what caught my interest in uh, was with uh, Blunden, Bill Blunden, uh, uh, who's written a book on cyber war, and um, uh, and and he says he says in China, this is his understanding. He says in China, if your phone is turned off, then that sends a red flag for investigation. Is that something you're aware of? I've never heard of that. So so let's. Let, yeah, I'm not sure that's happening in the United States, but that's his understanding of what's happening in China. This information is being sold uh, to to Chinese companies, um, and that's a that's a great uh, uh, statement that you made uh, or quote uh, in regards to if it's you know the product being free. What is your view now? Because I know we've got kind of these interesting uh, interesting uh, times with the coronavirus and whatnot, and I want to get back into a little bit more of uh, your understanding of. Uh, what 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 is happening with uh, uh, people that are entering information and what Google's collecting and that sort of thing and you understanding on that, understanding on that. But we take for instance uh, Bill Gates, right? So uh, he develops uh, Microsoft. Um, I think it was in the the early '80s, um, and that's a personal computer software. And you had mentioned already um, uh, Steve Jobs, and I think he his first Apple computer uh, with Wozniak was de- developed in the the mid '70s. Um, but you kind of you you take you take the, the the tech industry and then you're applying it to uh, the uh, evolution of it to 2020, and now you've got this health uh, pandemic globally, which is shutting down economies and people being. Being confined to their homes and scared to go out, uh, we we proceeded with you, Zach, with uh, with with Dr. Lass, who's a former uh, director general of the health ministry in Israel, um, and he says in Israel there is an issue with surveillance. So let's now insert uh, Microsoft, going from Microsoft to now vaccinations to microchipping. What do you understand about uh, and what's your opinion there thereon? of uh, microchips. Bill Gates saying uh, people need to be microchipped. What's your view on that? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And the reason why is it's not dumb because, you know, you shouldn't surveil people. It's dumb because if you want to surveil people, the microchip is the worst way to go about doing that. First off, it's traumatizing. Second of all, um, you need to replace the microchip after, you know, a few years. Why? Because things go obsolete. Like, I don't use an iPhone from three years ago. you like, Right. Are you going to expect that this microchip is going to be good for the next, you know, to even 10 years? Like, this is how you do it. You store your certificate in the cloud, and then you match that up with the person through their biometrics. So their fingerprints, their iris, like the shape of their nose, like all these things can be combined to give you a, a, a digital signature that can be matched to an online record. That's the way that it should happen. The very idea that we would implant a microchip um, is so backwards and so ludicrous from an engineering standpoint that it seems more like they're trying to fulfill some sort of weird 
weirdo biblical prophecy of like stamping each of us with like the mark of the beast. Like that's literally a better reason for understanding why they're proposing this than that it's a straightforward engineering solution to track to tracking us. Do you think there is uh, some type of uh, uh, mass surveillance uh, global? I'm talking uh, agenda that's at work here. I think it's a force of nature. Um, the thing is, is that we're getting so many sensors and so much information and so good at processing it that, uh, you know, not being surveilled is uh, becoming impossible. Um, the, the existential danger here to society is not that um, there's going to be surveillance. It's that the elite will not be surveilled because the thing is, is that the elite operate in the shadows um, a lot of their assets are off the books. A lot of the things right. they do are off camera. And the thing is, is that they really are having a hard time not getting recorded, right? Like, look at look at Jeffrey Epstein. How many cameras did they have to disable in order to pull off that event? Look at the Las Vegas shooting. How many cameras did they have to disable in order to carry that event forward? And the thing is, is that as the... Well, the eyes, you know, the sensors, as they're becoming more popular yeah. and people have a mobile production studio yeah. in their pockets. Um, right. Now that surveillance is becoming democratized and we're now saying, hey, look, like what the experts are saying doesn't match up with people with, you know, uh, going out to the location and seeing it for themselves. And so, you know, we're kind right. of tearing right. the, the veil off of this illusion. Um, the media is trying to constantly put a on us and what's really happening is that we're able to surveil the oligarchs as well and figure out hey 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 there's actually something sinister going on here so you know i think that this surveillance is inevitable the thing is is that we just just have to make sure that we democratize it and then we then we'll win zach is google a corrupt company yeah they're corrupt um and uh I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes out. I think that they knew that they were going to be corrupt because in their um, when they went IPO, they explained that the stockholders would not have voting rights. Uh, wow. In the same way that the preferred stock would have. Yeah. They had two classes of stock. They structured themselves like a media company. And they said to the people that, that they were doing this because they knew better and they didn't want people, um, you know, interfering with their ability to conduct business because they wanted the, um, you know, a, a payoff in the next quarter. They said they were going to do long-term solutions that maximizes the company's shareholder value over the long run. Well, it turns out that when it comes down to 2016, you know, they're, they're, it turns out that that voting rights that they put that was special – comes in really handy when you don't want those pesky investors to say, why are you destroying the company in order to make these stupid political gains, right? And so now we look back at everything that they've done. It's like, oh, well, they weren't actually doing it for good. They're doing it because they were planning on being a totalitarian you know, technocracy, and they didn't want the, the shareholders to have any say about stopping them. Do you advise listeners to stop using Google? Yes. Yeah, so... Um, the best way um, is to stop using Google Chrome um, and switch to Brave. The Brave browser is based on on Google Chrome, 
uh, it's, it's, it's what's called a fork. Um, and the guy who uh, uh, modified it stripped out all of the, um, all of the little doodads that were surveilling and tracking users. And so they got rid of the vulnerabilities. They re-released it as the Brave browser. It's actually faster than Chrome because it doesn't have all the surveillance stuff in it. And the guy who created the Brave browser was the guy who created the Firefox. But he left Firefox because, um, well, there was a revolt after he was caught donating to a Republican. And because the organization <laughs> is leftist now, they, they cited the code of conduct that they had established against discrimination and said, because you... Um, vote, because you you gave money to the wrong person, we're going to say that you are engaging in discrimination, therefore you're out. So he said, screw Firefox, and he went over and he created Brave, took the Chrome browser, made it sanitized, released it. It's faster, it's better, it's safer, it's you know focused on privacy, and it even uses the same plugins. So that's the number one way that people can uh, turn off Google. The second way is to get off a of uh, off of the email system, um, Gmail, use ProtonMail. And then third, and I say this because a lot of people don't want to give up their Android, but, you know, Apple's way better in this in this case. Um, you know, Apple actually makes money by selling overpriced products. They don't make money by selling your data, you know, in the shadows. Right. So, you know, get rid of your Android phone, get rid of Gmail, go to ProtonMail, get rid of the Chrome browser, go to Brave. You know, and do do that brave thing like right now because that that's almost free. You know, to, to just do that just takes takes five minutes of your time. And this is a totally separate company from Google, Brave. Is that right? Yeah, totally separate. And it's uh, it, it is is it run off of the port eighty? Yeah, that's just yeah. Don't don't get too hung up on port eighty. Okay, I just kind of threw that technical detail in there to 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 be smart. Um, but yeah, it's it's the exact same thing as Chrome. It's just a lot better. Zach, what has been? I want you to I want you to describe a little bit about some of because I really want to open listeners' eyes here. Uh, you've you've kind of laid out a nice uh, 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 path to take to 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 get out of that Google system and that surveillance. Uh, really, kind of fake search results or fake news or whatever it may be um, in regards to to Google. Um, uh, but I want to, I want you to really open listeners' eyes in regards to what you gave the DOJ, what they should know about um, uh, a Google that that was just uh, uh, appalling to you. What what are a couple things that just blew your mind that listeners should know that are contained in those nine hundred and fifty pages? Right. Okay. So this is the stuff that I put up on uh, my website, you know, ZachVorhees.com. People can go there, get digest, get the 950 pages as a link on the site. Um, so this is what Google did. Okay. They had an AI system and this AI system was called machine learning fairness. And um, what machine learning, what is machine learning? So machine learning is a type of AI and you can use it to, 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 you know, play Mario or, you know, win a game of chess or classify, you know, a million documents and, you know, tell you which one of those are fake news and which ones aren't. And so the way that a machine learning algorithm works is that you take, let's say a million documents and you've got an army of people, they go through and they rate it as, you know, fake news or not fake news. Then you go and you feed, 
that million documents into a machine learning algorithm. Um, and it looks at the documents and tries to figure out the patterns necessary to classify it in the expected output. Um, eventually, after all these things, it figures out like a model, like it gets a model in its head. Um, you know, it matches certain characters and says, oh, if I see these characters, then it's fake news. And so um, it figures out that representation. And then now you can um, have sort of like a crystallized intelligence and you can run novel input, like new input on this thing. And it's going to cop out the same labels um, that a person would. And so this is how they generate these machine learning algorithms. Uh, and that, that, that thing that does it for social justice is called machine learning fairness. Why they call it fairness? Because if you're opposed to it, then you're inherently assumed to be unfair, right? So this thing um, was what they were unleashing onto the whole company, this machine learning fairness. And they had a crisis response version of this called Purple Rain, I guess like the, um, like the song, sure, um, like the Prince song. And um, it, was, it was monitoring every events in real time. And what's interesting, if you look at the documents that I've posted, what you'll see is that they actually trained it on the war that Trump was having with Comey uh, at the time that he was what, like as like FBI director or something. Okay. And they were looking at these news cycles and they were, and they were posting like, how can we, you know, chain these events together and combine these events so that we can really get like a stronger boost. And so what they were trying to do is they were trying to boost all the news involved with, you know, pro Comey um, uh, narrative that was just yeah. being generated by this cabal of MSM. Um, and so that's like a, that's another aspect of, of how this thing works. Um, they also had a query blacklist that was being used at YouTube. Now, keep in mind, they were testifying to Congress that no such blacklist anywhere existed in the company. And I was sitting there as a YouTube engineer and went, wait a minute, we don't have blacklists because this was like 2018. I knew at this time that we were using them. So I just went in and I searched for the term blacklist into the internal search engines. And what do you know? I find the YouTube controversial query blacklist, which was a blacklist that was injected on October 1st, 2017 in response to the Las Vegas shooting massacre. Whoa. And never went away. It just kept on growing. Whoa. It contains all of these search terms that are, that are blacklisted on Google. So any video that has those terms in it gets deranked and pushed down. Because the thing is, is that Google wants to have this probable deniability. They don't want to actually pull something off their engine. They just want to push it all the way back onto the 15th page. So you can't find it anymore. Okay, okay. And so what they did is they just deranked all of the stuff they didn't want to, they didn't want there. Like basically anything involving Stephen Paddock or the Las Vegas shooting or multiple shooters, you know, or Pizzagate or, um, you know, uh, cancer cures. This is the crazy thing. They de-ranked the search for cancer cure and cancer Whoa. cures. Whoa. Okay. Because, yeah. <sighs> and I'm sitting here going, wait, why are they, why would yeah. they ever get in between someone searching for right. some sort of cancer cure that's like naturopathic or homeopathic? Right. It turns out that there's actually a lot of anti-cancer in in um in, in foods like uh apricot seeds have this thing called vitamin b17 oh which goodness. cures a whole subset of cancers so the idea that they would get in between someone that's got cancer and so and 
and the information that they're trying to find was when I saw that, like I got so sick sitting in my chair going, what the hell is going on? So that's the YouTube controversial, you know, blacklist. It's on my website, zachvorhees.com. I can't tell you everything that's on there right now because it's too out there. People just have to see it for themselves. If I say it over the phone, they'll be like, what the, what the F? So, um, the other thing is that uh, you probably remember the word kafefe um, that Donald Trump used, uh, despite the native constant press, kafefe, that was his tweet. Yep. Google deleted that out of the Arabic translation dictionary in order to make that Trump tweet sound crazy. And that's, that's the word what? that they used to try to get him out of the presidency to, by you know, saying that we should use the 25th Amendment. And by they, I mean the MSM, like specifically the Washington Post on June 7th, 2017. Jeff Bezos. um, Yeah, Jeff Bezos. So um, there's other stuff. If you want me to continue, I can. can. Uh, Yeah, let's Um, let's continue. We've got we can we can keep going for a few more minutes, Jeff. uh, Sorry, uh, Zach. Um, We can keep going for a few more minutes. Um, this is just absolutely appalling. We could easily do another hour. I've got, uh, I got the next hour booked with, with, uh, somebody. Um, so we, we, we do have to wind it down, but we can keep going, uh, a, a little bit further. Uh, Zach, um, just your, your, your thought here. I mean, we can go Twitter, Facebook. There's, you know, there's the, the voting controversy around how Facebook has manipulated, um, elections and whatnot. I mean, just your opinion here was, um, was, uh, was, was Donald Trump, was he justly elected in your view? Yeah, I believe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that Russia really had gotten into the elections. Um, I think that uh, there's a whole bunch of countries that are trying to influence our elections. Um, and, you know, I'm going to put the, the, the point the finger at the UK, France, Israel, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, like they're they're all over the place. The idea that Russia had some sort of special access to our election system is ludicrous. Like George Soros literally owned um, a good portion of the machines that were you know tallying our votes. And wow. one of the disgusting things that I've been seeing lately is the further digression from um, from the exit polls and the machine counts and before it was like off by like you know two percent or something but now it's like getting off as much as eight percent and the media is not really covering this and um and this is really disturbing like the 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 exit votes should always match the votes that are being counted in the machines and so um i believe and this is a, a popular you know, theory among uh, those of us that, you know, dig deep enough is that it looks like there was a rigging that was planned in 2016 and um, the NSA got in there and hacked into the machines and changed the votes in seven states. Um, I don't have any hardcore proof. Yeah. Um, This is, there's just a lot of people within military intelligence that repeat the same story that this is what took place. And um, and the evidence that they give is that not only did we un- or not only did the NSA unscrew up the vote for Donald Trump, but they also made it so that the votes were restored for the Green Party with Jill Stein. Interesting. And so 
instead of getting like 10,000 votes, she ended up getting like 100,000. And what's really interesting is that those were the counties that Jill Stein uh, was advocating to get a recount. And it was really weird at the time because, you know, for those of us that were looking at this, we're wondering why is Jill Stein and the Green Party trying to get a recount on right. the states that they had the most victory in? But the reason why was because, you know, um, they're not actually trying to win. They're trying to make sure that the, that the DNC stays in power. And, uh, and the votes got flipped in those seven states. And that was what uh, was allowing President Trump to come ahead and had that surprise victory. Zach, I'm going to go, I'm going to throw two things at you uh, as we wind down. Um, first off, uh, I would like listeners to hear your comments on the coronavirus, whatever they may be. And then I'd like you to end with trailing this. Uh, what's, what's behind this um, kind of I'm going to I'm going to use that term again uh because it's it's easy to grab what's behind this uh fake news uh, uh, uh phenomenon uh so 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 the one the the one and two your comments on coronavirus and what you think listeners should know about it in regards to uh, your engineering background if any and 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 just if you just want your basic comments and just your basic yeah, comments okay. and then and then the second okay so um my mom's a flight attendant. Um, she got sick really, really bad in December. Worst sick she's ever been. So I know that there's something going around. I've heard other stories from other people that they got sick. Um, and I know that there's something bad going on. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, is that um, this anti-malaria drug, right. uh, hydroxychloroquine, quinine, yeah. or, or queen, whatever it's called, uh, there's international papers showing that it works and uh, studies that have, I've seen in the United States have been very successful. So it seems that um, this is the cure, a generic drug that no one can really make that much money off of. Uh, the company that specialized in making this particular drug, uh, it was a husband and wife. They died in 2017. It looked like a murder uh, oh that happened, which I find really interesting. Uh, but I think that anyone that is sick should get a prescription for this stuff, and that seems to be the cure. The entire concept that we have to shut down the entire economy, yeah. the world economy, and set it on fire seems to be an insane proposition. Yet, here we are. We're going along with the whole thing. Um, I could go more into this topic, but you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, as far as the reason why we've got the whole fake news phenomenon – um, look, man, you go to any time period in history and you're going to find whatever civilization um, following a church and they're going to be like the people are going to be herded towards an ideology by the oligarchs that are in control. And you'll go there and they'll, they'll think that everyone before them was, you know, a bunch of idiots and that they're, they've got the right answer. And um, and you try to tell them that it's they're just being manipulated and they're just going to tell you that, you know, you're you're crazy. Uh, the same things happen now, like instead of a religious church, we've yeah. got this secular blue church that we've all been worshiping at. And um, all the dissent that says that that stuff is all phony and fake um, is viciously attacked. And what's happening is that there is a sort of a new Gutenberg printing press uh, called the Internet that allows this symmetrical sort of distributed uh, news uh, generation system uh, that distributes it. And so 
um, we're, it's, it's a new way of collective intelligence. And that collective intelligence is essentially going up against this bureaucratic blue church that we're escaping from. And it seems that whatever the main attractor was to that bureaucracy is now essentially disintegrated. And now, like just like a tornado, it's about to um, evaporate, uh, you know, as we transition to the, to the next system. And that's essentially, you know, society is pregnant with the next version of it. And right now we're going through birthing pains. And, you know, you're, you're either, if you're subscribed to that blue church, you're having a really yeah. nasty time right now because we think the whole world's about to come to an end. And if you're part of this red insurgency, then you think the planet's about to be liberated. And they're, they're kind of like mere opposite realities, but those are the two realities that are sort of there emerging. I, I, I put my weight behind the red insurgency um, I know that this disruption has been promised to the people that have been sort of awake now for a few years. Um, and it seems that it's, it's likely happening at this point. Everyone's kind of going inside. And now, um, you know, Trump has nationalized the Federal Reserve, yeah. uh, put it under control of the Treasury with Steve Mnuchin. And I mean, if you had told me that was going to happen four years ago, I would have said that, that was nuts. But here we are. The Federal Reserve just got nationalized. So, you know, um, enjoy the roller coaster ride because we're not done yet. And it's very possible that this whole coronavirus now looks like an attack on the president because the globalists really want to maintain control of America. It forms the backbone of the military industrial complex. And if they lose America's military might, then there's nothing protecting these corporations that are extracting resources from every other country on the planet. And so the whole substructure of the global financial system is just about to come undone. And there's a lot of people that are upset about that, but they're all rich and powerful and disgusting and, um, and they're about to lose out big time. So um, I'm really hopeful. Uh, you know, there, there seems to be a new set of oligarchs that are fighting the more powerful oligarchs, you know, and, and, um, and I know that from personal experience, that there's a lot of technologies that have been suppressed in energy and medicine in particular, those technologies are, are the things that are holding the back are no longer there. And so we're going to go from a fossil fuel economy to a uh, clean nuclear powered economy. And, um, and things are going to be really wonderful uh, going forward. So we just got to get through this storm. Incredible. I don't know of a better way to have ended it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Google whistleblower Zach Voorhees. Zach, thank you for joining the program. We look forward to keeping in touch with you. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Zach Voorhees. Um, what a, he talks about the brave um, uh, uh, search engine um, um, uh, browser, desktop browser, rephrasing that. Um, that, ladies and gentlemen, is one brave individual. Um, 950 pages he submitted to the DOJ, blowing the whistle on Google. Okay? You heard it right there. Google is a corrupt company. Get off it. Get out of Gmail. Get out of Google Chrome. And get into an iPhone. Okay? Those are the very basic steps that you can take to get out of this InQtel controlled, seemingly, uh, company, Google. Um, okay, very heavy stuff there. Um, 
I'm closing it down this hour. Uh, it is the 6.03 mark, uh, Eastern Standard Time, PM. We will be bringing on a Michael Snyder, J.D., the Economic Collapse blog host, momentarily. This has been another Discussion of Truth. I am your host, Ian Hamilton Trochier, as I am here every Wednesday for Winwood One, and 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 if that's new to you, you're familiar with, or you're you're familiar with, uh, you're accustomed to hearing Winwood Radio. Uh, Winwood Radio and discuss your truth. Uh, continue a very positive and good relationship. Uh, however, this program is now broadcast live on WinwoodOne.com, Miami Radio, as a number of other outlets, including StopMassMedia.com. Okay, back at you in a few moments. Thanks for tuning in, Ian Trachet, for Discussions of Truth.